Hello, welcome and kumusta and thank you for joining me. My name is How. I am your occupational therapist and this is Occupational Therapy Conversation. Now, in this session, we'll have a discussion about the basic ranges or the basic values of the range of motion. Range of motion is the movement of the joint in an arc. And I feel it is really important that as clinician, we need to know the values of this. And the problem is, I think you'll have to spend some time to go and look at, at the book and you need to memorize these things. And uh, I think this is just one of my efforts to help out so that you'd know the range of motion, the values of, of them. Now, the joint ranges, shouldn't there shouldn't be any changes in the joint range since we're human from a very 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 long time ago and up to now so you can look at some of the uh, uh, the texts that are out there I don't think there's been a lot of change so any text that has come from uh, the period of 1960s 1950s 2000 you know I don't think there's going to be some significant changes on the values of our the human body's joint range now this one I've taken from the uh, American Academy of uh, Orthopedic Surgeons so this was the reference for that okay so what we'll do is we'll talk about different parts of the body and then we'll talk about the values of the joint range and if there are some associated movements to it then I'll, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll let you know as well now now let's start from the head going down to um, the, the trunk and then the shoulder, elbow, forearm, wrist, and then we'll talk about the thumb, the fingers, the hip, knee, and ankle, and then the foot. Starting with the cervical spine. Now cervical spine has a few movements in it and that's available. So you have flexion, you have extension, you know, tilting the head up. And you have bending the head sideways and that is called lateral flexion and you also have rotation which is actually turning of the head so the cervical flexion is from 0 degrees from its neutral and then it's from 0 to 45 degrees so that is the ability so 0 to 45 degrees is a human body's ability to extend the head flexion is from a neutral position where the head is upright and then the person can bend the head down to 45 degrees so 0 to 45 degrees of flexion and it has the equal amount of extension 0 to 45 degrees of extension now when it comes to lateral flexion it is also 45 degrees as well okay. and then when you have rotation is from the head is in neutral and if you turn right yeah, and if you find the axis on the head, you know, that is from 0 to 60 degrees, both left and right. Okay, so there you go. It's easy to remember the cervical uh, joints because it's 45 degrees flexion, 45 degrees extension, lateral flexion is 45 degrees, and then you have the rotation that is 0 to 60 degrees. Moving on. Now we'll talk about the thoracic and the lumbar spine. Now thoracic and lumbar spine is a bit challenging because it's really hard to measure this. And uh, again, just a point of reference. This is 
with a normal individual yeah so there are factors that will influence the joint range of the person uh, if they are young if they are old uh, if they have uh, injuries uh, if they have orthopedic conditions so there will be some factors that would influence this what is uh, important for you to know is uh, it is essential for you to know if the joint range has become impaired in, in a more acute stage has it changed okay so when it comes to thoracic and the lumbar spine um, it is easier to measure this I guess when a person is sitting down or when the person is on side lying uh, but it's very very tricky to do this from my personal experience it's hard to do this but it is useful for those people who are working in seating and in wheelchair services thoracic and lumbar spine has a few movement it also is just like the neck it also has flexion extension you have lateral flexion and bending and you also have twisting and rotation as well when it comes to flexion the uh, it's we can bend the lumbar spine much more so it's 0 to 80 degrees and then we can extend it from 0 to 30 degrees okay and then when you go and bend lateral so the range of reference is called is from 0 to 40 degrees and then when you are turning the lumbar spine the range is from 0 to 45 degrees okay so comparing the joint range of the lumbar spine is actually there's more on the flexion as compared to the neck okay so it's 0 to 80 degrees just to remember remind you extension it's a let less more so when it comes to the uh, uh, extension it is less as compared to the extension of the neck it's 0 to 40 degrees and then when it comes to rotation it's also less as compared to the rotation of the neck and this is the rotation is 0 to 45 degrees so that is thoracic and lumbar spine now we're going to a more intricate range of motion uh, section of the body which is the shoulder with shoulders there are few movements in the shoulders that are available so you have shoulder flexion you have shoulder extension you have shoulder abduction and you also have shoulder adduction yeah moving away and moving towards the body okay now the abduction and abduction that's one there is another movement that is uh, called horizontal abduction and horizontal adduction and then you also have you know when it comes to the arm you have internal rotation of the arm okay so we're talking about the arm this is the humerus you also have external rotation as well okay so just a summary of the movement of the shoulder uh, you have flexion extension abduction adduction horizontal abduction horizontal adduction and you have internal rotation and external rotation as well now moving on to the values so if you raise your arms technically and you're just putting a reference on the arm or the humerus so this is uh, shoulder flexion yeah and the shoulder flexion ranges from 0 to 170 degrees that's 0 to 170 degrees but 
you have to remember that there are associated shoulder girdle movement whenever you move the arms. And some of the associated movements sometimes is when you flex the shoulder, you might notice the abduction of the arm. You might uh, notice some, some uh, slight elevation uh, and th there might be some lateral tilt. There might be some slightly upward rotation as well. So it's a little bit complicated. Um, there, these slight ones, these slight movements are the ones that will uh, cause the difference of uh, if it's a minor problem you can you know a person can really feel this you know they might compare it from the left and the right hand or the you know the left side and the right side okay but might be mindful of these movements so you can have abduction you can have lateral tilt you can have slightly slight elevation you can have slight upward rotation as well now when the hand is in neutral, when the arm is in neutral and you try to extend the shoulder as well, yeah, this is called extension and the range of extension is from 0 to 60 degrees. Now you will notice that there might be some associated movement of depression on the, sh on the shoulder, you can have abduction and you can have an upward tilt of the scapula as well on this one. So shoulder girdle movement, yeah. Now let's go to the abduction. Abduction is 0 to 170 degrees. It is the same as flexion, 0 to 170 degrees. And then adduction, it's 0 degrees. So you shouldn't really be able to adduct the shoulder from neutral. And that is because the body is in the way. If you want to start to uh, adduct then you might be thinking about the horizontal adduction because that way you're lifting the shoulder up and then you are moving the shoulder across the midline and that becomes an internal uh, uh, horizontal adduction okay so with the shoulder abduction and adduction some of the uh, movement of the shoulder girdle you will notice an upward rotation of the shoulder girdle you will notice some elevation depression uh, and adduction and some downward rotation as well of the shoulder girdle so there will be some shoulder shoulder girdle movement when it comes to shoulder uh, abduction as I was saying earlier on, if you want to do shoulder adduction, it, it, you can you just have to raise the arm to 90 degrees, and you can have uh, you can have some movement there. Um, so shoulder abduction, if you uh, abduct to 90 degrees, and then you actually abduct it even further, then you will notice a movement of zero to 40 degrees. All right. 0 to 40 degrees of movement when the arm if you raise the arm with the arm straight and you abduct it it's like a T position and then you push the shoulder a bit more you know towards the back then you will achieve a zero supposed to be a 0 to 40 degrees okay now that's horizontal abduction Horizontal adduction, on the other hand, this is a more, there will be more range. So again, you move the arm into abduction. It's like in a T position and you start moving the arm towards the center. So that's 90 and then you can actually move it a little bit further towards crossing the midline and you can have a joint range of 0 to 130 degrees. 
Uh, in here, you would notice some shoulder girdle movement of abduction and then some tilt. Okay, so that is horizontal abduction and adduction. The shoulder or the arm can actually twist inward. So this is the humeral internal rotation and external rotation. And this is, um, you can have, uh, you know, in arm in abduction, so internal rotation. So you have many movements. You can, in, you can move the shoulder or the humerus in various position. You can move it with the arm in abduction and it's 0 to 70 degrees. Now, if the arm is in adduction, it is 0 to 60 degrees. So that would be the internal rotation. Yeah, internal rotation of the shoulder. 0 to 70 degrees in abduction and then 0 to 60 degrees in adduction. Now, when it comes to external rotation, it will be if you have the arm in abduction, you will have a joint range of 0 to 90 degrees and then arm in adduction would be 0 to 80 degrees, okay? Right, so these are some of the movements that you would observe, particularly if you are going to the gym and, you know, you're working on your therabands, for example. And uh, so again, with the shoulder in abduction, external rotation would be 0 to 90 and with the arm in adduction, 0 to 90 degrees, yeah? So technically, it's 60, 70, 80, 90. So that would be the, uh, the, the, the movement, okay? Now, going to the elbow. The elbow has two movements only, yeah? It's just flexion and extension, yeah? And the elbow flexion and extension, flexion is 0 to 135 degrees to 150. So you have a range 0 to 135 to 150, depending on the size of the muscle bulk, depending on the size of the muscle as well. Okay, 0 to 135 and to 150. Now extension, if you extend the arm, you cannot hyperextend that anymore. You shouldn't be able to. Um, that's hyperextension and that's hypermobility if you have noticed a, an extension from when the arm is straight. So you only have flexion, movement, uh, 0 to 135 to 150 and then a return of movement from 135 to 150 down to 0 degrees. Okay. Just to remind you guys, the point of reference here is the anatomical position, okay? So if you're not familiar with the anatomical position, then we may have to discuss that in our future uh, podcast. But it's very simple, just look it up, okay? Going now to the forearm, yeah? Now on the forearm, the movement that you will observe in the forearm are two things. You have the pronation and the supination with the arm in neutral position. It's zero degrees, okay? And then you turn it down and you will achieve a zero to 90, 80 to 90 degrees. An extension would be from zero degrees as well and then you turn the palm up, it is also the same. So zero to 90 degrees. So the shoulder, you will have some tightness and movement in here. You would notice some tightness and movement if you have some form of a tonal issue, particularly with the, uh, the pronators and the supinators, yeah? Okay. Next joint will be the wrist joint. 
Now, in the wrist joint, you have a few movement. You have flexion of the wrist, extension of the wrist. You have ulnar deviation and then the radial deviation as well. So the flexion is 0 to 80 degrees. Extension will be 0 to 70 degrees. So there is lesser extension than inflection. And then when you're moving to the ulnar deviation, there is more on that. It's 0 to 30 degrees. And when you go on radial deviation, it's 0 to 20 degrees. Now, what is the uh, importance of this? Uh, one might you say uh, some of the trivial information, but it's actually important. I wouldn't say it's trivial. Um, there is more joint movement on the ulnar deviation. So when somebody has an arthritis, yeah, that tends to erode a bit more that ulnar side that's why the tendency of the arm and because of the pull of the muscles the tendency is for these muscles to pull more and would damage the joints a bit more so the tendency of the arm is to position itself in an ulnar position and that's why you would call it an ulnar drift yeah that is on some information on the wrist Going more specific, if you go into the hand therapy side of things, but then if you're working in restorative and providing restorative intervention, say in critical care, then you would be working with the thumb, okay? And with the thumb, you have some movements like DIP uh, flexion, you have MP flexion, okay, metacarpo phalangeal joint dip is the distal interphalangeal joint okay you can have abduction or you can also call it the radial and palmar abduction okay so when the thumb is moving away from the palm yeah so that is considered as abduction and you can have palmar adduction okay and then you can have a radial you know abduction so that's moving the thumb away okay from the body and then you can have some opposition movement and that's how you would describe the movement on that okay so the dip flexion so distal interphalangeal joints of the so there's only one ip joint in the thumb so the dip would be from 0 to 80 to 90 degrees and then the mcp or mp metacarpophalangeal joint is 0 to 15 degrees or 45 degrees so that's what happens when you it's what you'll need to do is you stabilize the uh, metacarpal uh, yes and then you can just see that the the proximal so this would be the metacarpophalangeal joint it's very very limited the mp flexion of the thumb is 0 to 50 degrees okay metacarpophalangeal joint now, when it comes to abduction and radial and palmar abduction, okay, so abduction should be zero. Again, you can't push it towards the, the, the palm anymore, but you can have palmar abduction, which is moving away from the palm, zero to 50 degrees, and then the radial abduction is zero to 50 degrees. How would you remember this is you think about the magic number in the thumb is a 50 degrees, yeah? So you can have, uh, apart from the DIP flexion, which is zero to 80 to 90, but you can have MP flexion of 0 to 50 degrees. And then palmar abduction 0 to 50. Most of the movement on the thumb is 0 to 50 degrees. That's the thumb. Now let's go to the fingers. With the fingers you have MP flexion. That's metacarpophalangeal flexion. 
yeah and the movement this would be the proximals is from the knuckles really it's zero to 90 degrees and then from the knuckle joint or MP you can have an extension and you would notice a an extension that ranges from 0 to 15 degrees all the way to 45 degrees which is hyper extension of the, uh, the, the, the fingers it depends and it varies from person to person now the PIP the proximal interphalangeal joint that is 0 to 110 so it's very bendy so if you look at it yeah it's more than 90 uh, it's around 110 the DIP flexion is from 0 to 80 degrees and then if you think about it you can spread your hand and you will see that the fingers abduct and that abduction ranges from 0 to 25 degrees okay so it's always 0 to 25 degrees all right okay what do we what have we learned from the fingers the IP joint that's 110 okay that there's a lot of movement there we have realized that from the uh, knuckle joint you have an extension of 15 to 45 the knuckle joint can bend all the way to 90 degrees actually mine is a little bit more so I've got a hyper uh, flexible uh, MP flexion of my 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 fingers so those are the complicated joints of the hands all right so you have the wrist you have the thumb you have the IP or the fingers now we're going to the bigger joints which is easier to move if they are in supine position and the uh, so it's the joint of the hip it's femoroacetabular or just the hip joint here we go so the hip joint it has a movement of flexion extension you can have abduction adduction and you can have internal and external rotation on the hip joint yeah all movement okay right a flexion of the hip is from 0 to 120 okay and that is actually with the knees bent all right because you will have an influence of the insufficiency or the tightness of the uh, of the hamstrings if you bend the hip with the knee straight and that can be painful but uh, with the knees bent it's 0 to 120 degrees now the hip extension is from 0 to 30 degrees all right 0 to 30 degrees with exception to those people who are very hyper flexible the ballerinas you know the street dancers uh, occupational uh, uh, occupational influences all right and some genetic influences too right so you have an extension of 0 to 30 degrees the abduction is 0 to 40 degrees yeah all right 0 to 40 degrees and then the abduction is from neutral you can abduct the hip to 0 to 35 degrees now both internal and external rotation is just like the movement of the the spine so you can have these reference they are 45 degrees both internal rotation of the hip and the external rotation of the hip now the knee flexion is from 0 to 135 degrees and that's with the knee straight and then you bend the knee backward so the range is from 0 to 135 and then the extension of the knee is from 135 back to 0 degrees as well okay uh, so that's the knee flexion now we're going back to the ankle and foot right so ankle and foot so there's four movements in the ankle you know so you have the plantar flexion 
where the toe is pointing down. You have dorsiflexion where the toes are pointing up. You have inversion and you have eversion. So the plantar flexion, just like the ballerina, is supposed to be like 0 to 50 degrees. But, wow, the ballerinas have got the point. It's almost like straight, isn't it? But 0 to 50 degrees is the normal range for plantar flexion. The dorsiflexion is just a slight, uh, very, very uh, slight movement only. It's 0 to 15 degrees is the joint range. The inversion is 0 to 35 degrees, while the eversion is 0 to 20 degrees. So implications of inversion and inversion, just like the ulnar deviation and the radial deviation, isn't it? There is one more on the other, and there is more tendency for the leg to invert, which is a, has a range of 0 to 35 degrees. That's why that is the movement that is common when you strain or you have an ankle sprain, all right? The anterior uh, talofibular uh, ligament, I believe, if I'm not mistaken. All right, guys, so those are some of the joint ranges. Uh, I hope you learned a little something. I thought this is going to be a straightforward, very short discussion, but in fact, it's approaching 30 minutes. Okay, so in summary, what have we learned today? There are joint ranges that is out there. It is really tricky to remember them all, but as therapists and as clinicians, we should remember them because it is part of a job. And also, the joint range is a performance component. So you can have some interventions on the joint range, and when you move it, this is called a restorative intervention. Uh, if you listen to my uh, previous uh, podcast, it is a, the treatment is a biomechanical approach where you're doing some passive stretchings as well. Um, and then it can the joint range problems can have an influence because of of the swelling. You can have tightness. You can have contractures. You can have muscular influences. You can have edema as well. So that's why it is important to know that because if you are measuring for outcome, yeah, the outcome is all about these joint ranges. Yeah, that's how important this is. Yeah. Um, so yeah you know don't don't think less of it it is important because the outcome measure for this are these numbers so for example if you start saying you know the the arm is you know passive range is only uh like zero to um to uh, 45 degrees because of adhesive capsulitis or because of a uh, shoulder hand syndrome and it's limited because of the pain so once that pain subsides the next thing that you'll need to do is you'll need to do that active and passive stretching and then you will measure the improvement based on the joint range and if you remember what is the joint range for shoulder what is the normal joint range zero to one seventy degrees for shoulder flexion yeah all right it's exciting guys Right, I hope you learned a little something today. Just pass this information to your friends and learn together, grow together, right? Uh, just remember, anything you do matters and has an outcome. Until next time, bye!